0: So this uh, guy dies, doesn't take the trip north, you know, takes a trip south, and he gets down there. He's bummed, and he's met by Satan, and he's just expecting the worst. And Satan's like, "Hey, it's not so bad. Come on in." Really, really, I think I, I don't. I, I, I think I get a lot of bad press, a lot, a lot of fake news going around. It's not that horrible down here. Um, what's your name, Kevin? Kevin. Let me ask you something. You like, you like drinking? Yeah. <laughs> It's probably one of the reasons I'm here half my life. You know, I, you know, I was drunk. I did a lot of stupid things when I was drunk. He goes, you know what? Mondays, we drink all day. From the second you get up, start out with Bloody Marys. All day, all night, we drink everything you can imagine. Unlimited, you get a good buzz early, and you just keep the party rolling all night. You, it's, it's not that bad. Oh, yeah, I guess it's all right. How about, how about drugs, Kevin? Do you do drugs? I wasn't drunk. I was doing drugs. Because you know what? The Tuesdays are your days. You know, we start off in the morning with a little weed, you know, through the afternoon, some cocaine, you know, ecstasy the whole time, of course. And Kevin's like, yeah, of course. And then he goes, you know, and, th- and then it's just black tar heroin the-, the rest of the night. You are going to love Tuesdays. Yeah, I, I guess it's okay. Women. Kevin, you like women? <laughs> That's a trifecta. That's probably the other reason I'm here. We, all day, anything you can possibly think of, the most twisted, sickest fetish you can imagine, you know, big women, tall women, every ethnicity, everything you can imagine. Wednesday, all we do, it's a fuck fest from morning, noon, tonight. Wow. That sounds pretty good. Okay. Do you like being gang raped anally?
1: No. Mm. Thursday's not your day. <laughs> That was the Carnival (laughs) Personnel podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, The sun's going down. Um, It's time to go to bed. Good night. Hope it's not Thursday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, welcome to Carnival Personnel. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. And uh, lots going on. Uh, Joseph, we had our first Carnival Personnel outing of the year.
1: Yes. Uh, It was not. Much like the Thursdays in hell, <laughs> not much like
0: Mondays, Tuesdays,
1: yeah. or Wednesdays either. I know, but it was a it was a it was a special kind of hell. No, it was very nice. It was a Simpsons trivia night in Somerville.
0: And uh, what what kind of place was it at? Uh, it's a, it was a ballroom. A ballroom with a bar. Ballroom kind. Yeah, of Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It used to be called Anthony's Ballroom, and, and to, now it's called Once Ballroom. And to um
0: to fill everybody in, we're going to start the show with the ending of the show. Wrap our parody tip of the week into it because <laughs> Joe and I both took our kids.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I forgot about that part. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> it was a family outing. Um,
0: it was quite well. I mean, you can't call him a kid anymore. Well, he's always a kid, but
1: yeah, it, he's you know he's eighteen. He's a, he's of age. He got his. Um you know, invitation to the Marines in the mail the other day because he had to sign up for Selective Service because he's a able-bodied, quote unquote, male, <laughs> age eighteen to twenty-five. So yeah, but we uh, we tried it. we tried our hand at some Simpsons trivia. Full House, packed, yeah. Every table was taken. You were uh, kind of late-ish. You know, we got there in time for trivia, but not in time to get good seats. So we had a, we had the the bit sheets along the wall, hey, uh, the wallflower seats. There's no real bad
0: seats at Simpson Trivia, is there?
1: <laughs> but I was, um, you know, I was ready to play. I, I don't go to trivia nights often, and I don't play trivia games with my family much because they know how hyper competitive I am at stuff like that. Like, you know, you saw me on television for the 15 minutes when I was, you know, on Wheel of Fortune. I was there to win, and I was hit at Simpsons trivia night to win. Um, unfortunately, I had a bunch of losers on my team who couldn't pull their weight. Well,
0: not 100% sure. We, uh, I, guilty as charged. I, I will speak for myself. Guilty as charged, and... Um, you know, Joe. Joe. Joe's. You know, Joe's jam is is, is the Simpsons. Or one of his jam. His son also. You know, they, they very much. Most of their father son talks aren't their own thoughts. Much like <laughs> us on the podcast, it's regurgitating lines from the Simpsons. We
1: only exclusively speak in Simpsons quotes, as you can tell by the shelf on my wall over there. The the top shelf is every Simpsons DVD up to season you know, seventeen or whatever. Um, but yeah, like we were trying our hand at Simpsons trivia and lo and behold, I didn't know that much about Simpsons. I mean, they stuck to the first 10, 12 seasons. So that was within my wheelhouse. It's not like they did something from the mid 2000s, but, um, I was actually very, very, very surprised and pleased to see that there were a couple of blanks that I couldn't fill, but your son did.
0: Yeah. I, my, there was a, there was one thing where the picture one uh, the picture round where there was ten pictures up there, and you know one one of the one of the stumping questions is like you know um, uh, the, the kids next door uh the Flanders kids you know which one is Todd and which one is Rod got a couple people but then there was a snake and my oldest one insisted he knew and Joe's like fine whatever put it. and there was another one right he had two
1: yeah there was another question and when um in lisa's class when they had to dissect an animal what did ralph say he accidentally swallowed and your your son immediately said a worm and i'm like in my head wow you're really fucking stupid that they don't dissect worms turns out they do <laughs> and it turns out that he was right and luckily at the very last second right before he was about to hand up our answer sheet I, he noticed that I didn't write "worm" on there, and he goes, "No, no, no, it's a worm." And I'm like, "Fine, worm." I even spelled it wrong out of spite, and I gave it to him. He didn't notice. And, <laughs> no, but he said, he was right, and I was and I was pleased, and you know, I wished he was my son at that particular moment in time. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Just for that one question. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, so yeah. So you know, once again. You know, let's not gloss over the fact that I took my 7- and 10-year-old to a bar <laughs> right. to do Simpson Trivia. They only had one
1: drink. Seriously. well, Between them. Yeah. It, Lightweights.
0: <laughs> they, 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 well, don't forget. They're only part Irish. You know? <laughs> um, the good part. The kid, hello. Um, but it was fun. And it's one of those things where Joe and his kid, very, very respectable at how they did. And it's one of those things where... You see the people who did really, really well on it, and you are know, like, "Okay,
1: okay, I'm 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 pretty good with some
0: life decisions I
1: made." I have to say, I, myself, my son, and your two sons, I think we're the only men in there, males, without beards. Like everybody in there, I mean, that's a it's a whole generational thing. These are these guys were like, you know, post college, maybe mid college age, or you know, early twenties to thirty. You know, they're they're all like a lot of them were the the, the, the the quintessential hipster stereotype. You know, they had the 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 shirts. Um, I think it's
0: hipster douchebag stereotype is, is the <laughs> exact.
1: Uh, but they were, uh, you know, you know, they were, and actually, I was surprised to see the where there was another youngster um, who had a better seat than we did because. Their parents arrived early.
0: Well, um, Joe Joe was there in plenty of time. I was picking management up from the airport who was just coming back, and then she played the whole, oh, it's Mike's roast beef, which we were driving right by, and I've been on a flight for the last eight hours, and I'm really hungry. (laughs)
1: Wow.
0: Right. And so, uh, so I had a break down and feed the family before I dragged her, you know, literally right from the plane where she had to fly cross-country uh, taking care of three-year-old twins off the plane right into the car to go to Somerville. Like, who?
1: who's taking somebody to Somerville? I know. I, people who live in Somerville don't get that quickly to Somerville. Really, the do we have to go to Somerville? I know, right.
0: Uh, but, it, but it was. It, it was a fun evening. It was our first Carnival Podcast
1: outing. Um, yep, yep. Yep. and we didn't know we were going into the. We were kind of toying with the idea until like the last minute, and luckily
0: the stars aligned.
1: Yes, um, so it was fun. And enough about fun. Let's get to the real podcast. You know what? We should have gone to Jared. Why? Because everybody else around the free world, <laughs> uh, not
0: only in any of the free world, everybody else around the world. Now, I haven't talked to Joe about this. It's on the rundown. We talked about it a little. If uh, if you're a devoted Carnival personnel listener. Wow. Wow. I'll just leave it at that. But months ago, when the blockade of Qatar started, I, having spent time there and having great friends there, kind of gave a different perspective that wasn't really covered by the news. And I thought it was quite interesting that Qatar is the most pro-U.S. place in that region. It's where all our military is, um, you know, period, at the end. BLOTUS had gone over to Saudi Arabia, and and then as soon as he got back, the blockade was put in place, you know, launched by Saudi Arabia and Dubai. And BLOTUS took credit for basically putting these wheels in motion. And I had read how you know jared had been in qatar just before this and he was trying to get money for their i forget is it 666 park ave building <laughs> it is 666 I know. yeah you're right but i don't know if it's park 666 park ave building that's upside down and he couldn't get funding through qatar qatar resources and i thought it was a little coincidental that oh he's gets denied these loans and now all of a sudden dad in law is You know, because like I said, even all my military friends, you know, in Qatar, mostly Republican people in the military, they were like, what the fuck is he doing? You know, this is really stupid. This is X, Y, Z. Saudi Arabia is not our friend. And now it's come out like months later after we talked about it. It's like now that's being investigated. And um, Qatar has been asked by the world court if they want them to look into it further. Was it retaliation? That's just come out in the last like 48 hours has been part of the talk. Is it part of retaliation that that, you know, that's using, you know, his influence? The other thing is it now it's, it's China. I forget. There's been China, Turkey, Qatar. There was another country. There's been four countries that are being looked at in the Mueller investigation as Jared 100 percent using his position as – Junior Secretary of State, I forget exactly the, the, the exact title he has, but people are now putting like, all the clues together. It's like he was their access, he was these people's access to Blotus, uh, to the President of the United States, sadly, and, um, and he was, while meeting with all these people, actively, actively, actively fundraising, because his family's company is in dire straits, um, money ain't for nothing. Chicks for free, and so that that building has like a one point two billion dollar balloon payment coming the first of next year. Which, I love balloons, <laughs> which they uh, they're not going to be able to to meet. So they that his family is in is fucked basically, and so he's been using his position, and because of his security clearance problem, he doesn't have it anymore. And and people know, oh, we can go through Jared to get. This happening and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, good times. Did you get all that? Good. <laughs> but we were here to break it first that that it was a little too coincidental that Jarrett went over to Qatar, didn't get the loans he wanted, and a week later, you know,
1: his... Uh, his wife's daddy you know lowered the hammer on them, so I have a feeling that in the next generation the, the name Jared is going to be the least popular man male <laughs> name I hope so but but that's that's so this week
0: you know him and Ivanka have lost their security clearance you know there's or did they well I mean it's like that's that's the thing it's like you know blotus who has no problem bringing the you know the, the KGB into the Oval Office without, like, American thing there. And, and then he tells them, it's like, oh, we got this tip on what's going on with ISIS through the Israelis. And the Israelis turn around it's like yeah, you weren't supposed to tell them. They're not friends who are douchebag.
1: douchebag. Um, yeah, it's kind of like saying, you know, we're not going to sell guns to children anymore. But if an adult in the house buys guns, they can, in, you know, by all means, give them their, gun. th- their guns. So, well, you know, it's right. that, the same thing here. You know, it's like,
0: uh, yeah. So, so it is, but it's uh, Just means more work for Trump. But it's been, and we know there's nothing he likes more than work. <laughs> uh, but now, the, now the infighting. It's been another week of, uh, you know, uh, of his, uh, his, his probably most. Everyone considers this woman Hope Hicks his most trusted non-family member, advisor, confidant, like, in in the inner inner circle, she does her testimony last week, comes out and says, well, yeah, I've told little white lies, and, you know, and was asked to clarify, it's like, tell me lies, tell me sweet, sweet little, little lies. lies, uh, he, uh, she, she was quantifying by saying, oh, if somebody wants to meet with him, I'll say he's busy, um... And he's really not. It's like, well, of course he's not, you know, when unless he's golfing. So so, so, you know, so, she comes out, and her meeting was on Tuesday. And on Wednesday, she announces she's resigning, but it has nothing to do with the testimony no. that she gave on Tuesday. No. She's been thinking this for a while. Right. Uh, Jared and Ivanka lose their security clearance, and uh, General Kelly, it, it, basically it's been a big pissing contest. And, and now at the same time, uh, just making sure I'm not skipping ahead, God forbid. Did I did I skip ahead? We don't want to be. Yeah. We, God forbid we get off track I know. on this. Podcast. I'm trying. I'm trying to get better, but but it is. It's been a. It's been a hell week. An absolute hell week in the White House. Mm-hmm. Uh, another another. Um, Twitter session going after Sessions, who then retaliates by going out with, like, the two people overseeing the Mueller investigation and just coincidentally has a picture of them all eating together that that night in a D.C. restaurant and posts it. It's like, that was a good fuck you. Um, And then also, uh, uh, what is it, McMasters, who is the head of Homeland Security, who's like, he – Basically he's he's come out and, and said, Oh yeah, my days are numbered. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. but there was there was all these lists the other day. There was like sixteen things between Wednesday and Thursday in a twenty-four hour span, like sixteen big announcement things like he started a trade war. D- didn't tell anybody the Commerce Secretary. You know what happened last time there was a trade war?
1: Uh Phantom Menace.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's right. Uh the stream executive power. They, 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 really, they, they uh, took off the banking regulations.
1: <laughs> so who would be the Jar Jar Banks in this situation?
0: Who? Well, Jar, hmm. Because we haven't really figured out, was Jar Jar uh, a simpleton <laughs> is, or is, the Sith?
1: Is Jared
0: potentially? It could be. No,
1: but we need like a stereotype. Uh, hmm. That's, we're going to have to sit on that one. Probably should have talked about it before the podcast, so we could have fleshed out some things. <laughs> is it material. Ben Carson? Who, uh,
0: <laughs> you know, he's having a good way. I mean, so all these things come out, you know, the Ben Carson thing. We're not going to go down the list. No. But there were 16 major headlines that the news were like, okay, we can give each one of these stories eight seconds. Each one of them is a near um, impeachable offense and go. A really shitty 24 hours. And at 5.45... Friday morning, bloat his finger on the pulse, going to put all these fires out, attacks Alec Baldwin. Right! <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex Baldwin. Right, for he- his
1: dying career. D-I-E-I-N. <laughs> D-I-E- I'm like, did Jock write this? Yeah, and it's like, if this is what he's getting up, focusing on, like, like, like,
0: and then... And then You're th- assuming he fell asleep. Well, that's true. But then the great thing is... I wonder, has Daryl Hammond come out and said anything about this?
1: Uh, why would Daryl Hammond come out and say anything about this?
0: Oh, because in his tweet, he's like, "Oh, he does a horrible impersonation. Uh-oh. Like Daryl Hammond's was much better." Daryl Hammond. <laughs> Hammond. Who? Who am I thinking?
1: Uh, well, Daryl Hammond did an impersonation of Bill Clinton.
0: Well, it, well, maybe Bloatus was they confusing the two because he's like, bring him back. Oh. He's
1: a much better talent. Ah, I see, right? And, and he's probably like. He's like <laughs> By the way, he is back. He's the announcer on Saturday Night Live. Is he really? Uh, yeah, he is. That's great. Anyways, but- what happened to Don Pardo? I
0: died. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got back Alex Baldwin. So now, now uh, moving on to less worrisome things. Putin. Yep. So he said he had nuclear-powered ballistic missiles, which could circle the globe three times. Nuclear warheads, um, uh, nuclear nuclear-powered drones, submarines, and missiles that could cir- you know—drones that could go around the globe three times, impervious to any missile defense systems. And and some people are like. Okay, is this real? Is this real? You know, And, of course, he sits down with his favorite journalist, Megyn Kelly, and she asks him flat out. It's like, okay, well, there's a lot of things that these aren't even possible to build. And he's like, no, we got them, and not only do we have them, some of them are already deployed in the field. So he's already boasting that. And the question – the big questions are – do they exist? And if they do exist, it violates every treaty that Russia and the U.S., the, the non-proliferation agreements that have been signed over, like, the past, like, 30 years. So they, they, if they do have these things, they're in complete, you know, like Russia cares about that shit. Um, and, yeah, and it, it showed just coincidentally of all the places it showed it could circle the globe three times and hit is Florida. And, uh, and, and how did BLOTUS respond? Uh, He says something about Alec Baldwin. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So Kim Jong-un. Yeah. You know, sanctions, sanctions, sanctions against them. Like last week, it's like the hardest sanctions ever. We're going after them. Name the companies that are helping them get around the sanction with shipping. Name the ships that are being used. All these individuals. But yet again, says nothing about – not only is Putin – you know, bragging about having these illegal weapons, having these Star Trek futuristic weapons. He shows a graphic of him attacking the US and Blotus, It's been about seventy-two hours since that posted, or actually ninety-six hours. Nothing.
1: Well, you know, he doesn't like to watch the TV that much. So maybe he's just not in um
0: So so he so that's funny that you say that. It came out uh, very public, and and now uh, the talk is: Is Putin doing this because he's up for election? Stop laughing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's up for election, and is he doing this to rally his base? Is this just his his chest pu- his puffing? Base.
1: I mean, <laughs> right, his base. You mean the citizens of Russia? Yeah, yeah. So,
0: but but no, but his supporter. I mean, yeah, he doesn't. I don't know if he's running against anybody who's
1: he hasn't killed. Right. <laughs> Who does not want to be poisoned?
0: Yeah, line up for the poison soup. Uh, so, but here's the thing the very next broadcast, like after this is announced, Sean Hannity starts off his show, Clinton emails. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. I, well, I know. Enough. I might have to blow the Trump whistle. No, now. exactly.
0: But but that's the funny thing. It's like when you said, "Well, he must have not seen it on TV." He didn't because it was Clinton yeah. email time. Like Putin is bragging. But but uh, anyways, yeah. You you don't have to blow the whistle. We can move on to so we got so many more.
1: <laughs> Let's get off of uh, Trump talking or not talking about Putin's arsenal of mass destruction, and uh, go on to guns. Well, you know what? And I'm not taking the awful gun
0: angle right now, but. Staying a little, a little positive. Uh, it, the kids haven't relented, and the, 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 these kids from Parkland, you know, have galvanized so many others. And here it is. Now we're talking three weeks later, when most of these would have cycled out of the news. And not only are they not letting it cycle out of the news, here's here's one of the fun things kind of sitting on the sidelines watching this all the people on the wrong side of this issue who are now like
1: attacking the kids during via social media you're dana loesch you're wayne lapierre you're everybody else that supports and is being supported by the nra
0: you know all these trolls and there was like you know and, and it's great it's like And you talked about it like last week, the person who was like, you know, how would you feel of the the kid who – he wasn't being disrespectful to Marco Rubio, but he was – answer the question. And Marco Ruby wouldn't answer the question. He would just circle it back. Will you give me a yes or no? And, and that's what we would love our media to do. But people are like, oh, how would you feel if your child spoke to a senator like that? And then it's like one of those things where it's like so many people are like, they're being disrespectful you know, to, to adults and stuff like that. And there was this one woman, I forget her name. I think she's from Fox going off. Talking about one of the girls, it's like, she's a sophomore, and she doesn't know how the world works, and blah, 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 and, and it just berate her, and the girl, like, tweets back, I'm a junior. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. if you're going to get into a mean girl fight, don't pick on a high school girl, you know? Uh-huh. But they have, and, and, and we've talked about the, the boycott that has, has taken you life.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the companies have dropped out uh, that support NRA TV and the NRA. Um, FedEx, though they're sticking to their guns, literally Fed- FedEx is Apple TV still is, but Amazon A- Amazon, but
0: people aren't like but what's funny is like uh, so delta, so here's the funny thing, Delta had this program that almost nobody knew about, and Delta said, "Hey, we're not honoring this, we're doing away with this NRA program we have, and of course, everybody was up in arms about it, ha <laughs> ha uh, and and then the next day, well, here's the fucked up thing. Nothing can get done through legislation. It takes so long for bills to pass and all these other things, unless you want it to. A bill to pass the very next day, the Georgia legislature got together and repealed a jet fuel tax that had been basically why Delta's in Georgia and a couple other. The Atlanta airport is the busiest airport in the United States because it's the hub of a couple major airlines like Delta, and one of the things he got to have people come there and be there. Their hub is this jet fuel tax, you know, so they'll get there on fumes and refuel there because it's a lot cheaper because of this tax. And it saves Delta like some 40 to $50 million a year. The very next day, the Georgia's legislature got together and say, oh, if you're not going to honor this deal with the NRA, we're taking away this $40 million tax. And to Delta's credit, they turn around and says, our values aren't for sale. You know, fuck you. Here's a tragedy, or one of the tragedies. 13 people have taken advantage of that NRA program in its entirety. It's it's hardly
1: used. Nobody knew about it. Which is why Delta was probably quick to depart with it, because it's like, why have that with them if they're not making any money off of it, and there's no... There's no incentive for Delta to hold on to that shitty program.
0: Right. And and what Delta said is like, no, they're not saying anything against the NRA. They just don't want their logo on the NRA website as a corporate sponsor. You know, they just want it taken down. And then they said, you know, look, we don't want to be partisan. You know, we don't – we're not going to contribute to any of these things. Um, But, yeah, but, I mean, even after – the government, you know, and, uh, you know, of course, Georgia's is one of those places. A couple years ago, they, they had this uh, anti-LGBT uh, law that was passed and people like Marvel Studios said, yeah, we're not shooting in your state. If, it, it, you know, if this is how people we're sending there to work are going to be treated, we're not coming there And that. Law went away. and Now they're bringing it back, but uh, yeah, good for Delta. But other people, like you know, uh, Dick's Sporting. Since the last podcast, Dick Sporting Goods, LL Bean. Do you know LL Bean sold?
1: No, I did not know that LL Bean sold guns.
0: And 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 so uh, so a bunch of other places since our last podcast are jumping on board, saying, "Hey, yeah." you know what, these guns shouldn't be, they shouldn't be in anybody's hands. And they're either not selling them, like Dix is doing away with assault, those kind of assault rifles, and, um, and then at the same time, they, um, you know some other places are raising it to 21, the, the age of 21. So, you know, I don't know. But look, Jacques,
1: let's get to the bottom of it. Guns don't kill people. Kids who play video games who get guns kill people. I, I, I'm sitting in Joe's
0: cave here where, you know, I don't think it's a secret that there's a few video games down here. Where? A couple of them might be uh, first-person shooter games. Uh, and, and seriously, I've never seen anybody in your household with the desire to go and... Uh,
1: to mow down their enemies? No. No. Doesn't cross our mind. we so, Take the lead on this. Well, you know, this is an old, tired argument. Yeah, it's an it's typical right wing blame the media for the gun problem, not the gun manufacturers, not the overwhelming amount of gun sa- uh, sales in the United States, um, not the uh, accessibility to said guns. Those aren't the problems. It's these these kids with their video games and these monsters like these people in Hollywood who put out. Bad movies. It's it's the it's that that is is the problem. So what I'm referring to is that Trump next week is planning to meet with executives from various video game companies to see what they can do to maybe either curb the amount of usages of video of guns in video games, or or I don't know, maybe maybe they're looking I I, I don't know if there's some sort of like a, a shakedown Two from the government to maybe, like, uh, say like, look, if you don't clean up your act, we're gonna, you know, come down harder on what kind of content you can have, and that could lead to censorship. Well, or I don't know where this is going. Well, well, let's give credit where credit's
0: due. Bloaters came out with the good idea that for movies there should probably be a rating system two, three, four. He actually came out and suggested that there should be a rating system. Yeah. And and this whole gun thing, and, and Joe and I have joked about it. Everybody's joked about it. It's like Tipper Gore with her parent music council back in the 80s and, and playing records backwards and the twisted sister testimony at Senate and...
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, to be fair, they actually led to some good things. I, I'm gonna I'm going to be the, yeah, the conservative about that. Like, as a parent... Yeah, you probably, like, you probably should at least warn people what is on them. Not restrict them. Like, not say, you know, oh, this record has swears on it or it's anti-police or whatever the fuck. And we're not going to sell it. That's, you know, that's fascism. What I'm talking about is, you know, a rating system, a warning system, which is fine. And, of course, when you get government involved, it's always going to look like, oh, it's the big boss man coming down on... Uh, these uh, video game companies or these record producers, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to censor us. And it's like, well, yes and no, they don't want to censor you. Like I'm sure a lot of the, those legislators legislators would like nothing more than to not have to deal with this anymore. And the quickest way would be to just ban that, that sort of content. But the flip side is, yeah, you probably should at least warn people about what content is on your product. But that's all been solved, you know. So we have warnings. How many times has that been
0: solved? It's because the movie solved it, and and it's funny that you said that about the government getting it. It was the movie industry themselves that came up with the rating system because there was. And we're going back. I think it was in the fifty in the fifties or the or the sixties at one point. Yeah,
1: they had the code. I forget what it's called, but they had the code. Um, and then, um, right then, afterwards, the, after like the golden era of, of films, then in the late sixties, early seventies, then they started to impo- impose the, the, the. There was I, I'm not I don't know the history of that, but yeah, that's where the, that rating system came from. But I'm sure it was from some sort of public outcry. But in video games, the the creation of the Entertainment Software Ratings Board or the ESRB uh, was born out of a congressional hearing because. Uh, you know, it was Joe, Le- Joe Lieberman, I think, held, uh, spearheaded that, uh, or somebody in Joe Lieberman's office brought that to his attention that these video games like Mortal Kombat, you know, had gratuitous violence, and, um, you know, it was in the hands of their, you know, 10-year-old kids, and uh, parents, you know, it was a new thing. This was like, you know, up to that point, video games were benign and meant for kids and marketed as toys. But then as the kids grew older and the, mature, the audience matured, video game companies started to market games that were not so kid-friendly. And so the government did feel like they had to stay they, they, they held the manufacturers, uh, the, the developers of video games and like Nintendo and Sega, they held them to task and said, "Look, if you don't step in and create some sort of rating system that at least educates the public, then we're going to do it for you, and you don't want that." So they, you know, they manned up and or womaned up, as we say in 2018, and they did that, and it's fine. So, and since 1993 or 94, we've had ratings on video games, and that's fine. And we've also had a lot much since then. We've had many more mature video game titles. We had Call of Duty. we wait. These wait, first wait when shooters. did this when did this rating system come out? Ninety three. You know, Ninety three. Like Clinton era. Yeah, like okay. f- first term Clinton era. So like, yeah, you probably haven't noticed, but like, yeah, if you look at any of my Nintendo games, n- almost none of them have a rating on them. You know, because there was no ESRB back then. But since you know, like the since the Sega Genesis era, you know, like the 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 sixteen bit era, that's when mm-hmm. all this started. Um, and one of the reasons, or one of the tools used by uh, Joe Lieberman to drive home the point that these games were starting to get a little bit more mature and probably needed to be uh, labeled as such, was they marketed. There was a game called Lethal Enforcers that came out on the Sega Genesis that came with a blue revolver gun. You know, so he used gun violence in his, like that was the first kind of you know. Example of using gun violence as um, as a reason why you know we need to uh, put these ratings in place so that parents can be better educated, but that's that's sort of the birth of gun violence in video games is that that era of, of of gaming, but it's been around it's been around for a long time, and I'm not saying that video game violence doesn't desensitize certain kids. Like I I mean you have your kids. You know, you have your kids play rated M games all the time. That's your prerogative. I would never do it because I'm you're too, a good person. No, I'm a, I'm a pussy. <laughs> like I, 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 I myself don't play a lot of first person shooter games, but that's just, you know, but I, there is like, I don't think that kids, like young, young kids, should be playing that, those types of games. Do I think that that leads to, okay, you're going to, if your kid plays Call of Duty at age 10, is he going to go shoot up his school in five years? No. I don't think that's the case either. Um, even if he wanted to shoot up this, and by the way, even if a kid wanted to shoot up a school, don't blame the video game for the reason why your, the school does get shot up eventually. The, the reason that he's shooting up the school is because he got a gun to shoot up the school. Uh, I'm taking a step back. You said uh,
0: the, the government was coming in because Nintendo and Sega were were kind of making more violent games. Is that what it was?
1: Yeah, for and, the and most part.
0: Where's Nintendo from? Japan. How about Sega? Japan. How about Sony? Japan. And the school shootings in Japan happen? Are rampant. Almost okay. daily. All
1: right, Okay. So, so, so there is a correlation. No, it, wait. Oh, no, there aren't. There are no <laughs> mass shootings in Japan that I know of. And, and how about, okay, so the biggest, most violent
0: video games that we have here in the United States, you know, okay, like the, um, like, like the, like the Call of Duty, are those games only sold in the U.S.?
1: No, they're sold in many other countries.
0: Really, like like my beloved the uh, first person shooter, the Resident Evil game. It, those are, but those are just sold here.
1: Right, those are only sold here, but they're made in Japan. Oh, okay. They don't so sell them. In Japan. They don't. They want to think about selling. No, so, never. So the most popular. How about the most
0: popular violent movies here? The shoot 'em up movies here, or, or, or like a movie like Get Out. That that was probably only shown in the U.S. It wasn't. Shown around the world, I
1: think it made zero dollars internationally in
0: all, right, and, and all the, every big blockbuster shoot 'em up exploding movies those are only shown in the u s right I think the horse is dead, okay, there you go, but that's the whole thing it's like everybody else in the world has um a millennial uh, you know uh brooding angry teens angry teens yep um the same movies yep. The same video game, only one of them has access to these weapons of war.
1: Yeah, that would be the United States of America. The greatest country in the goddamn motherfucking world, bitches! But but there is no correlation.
0: It is not the guns.
1: No, the the guns? How dare you, sir? Get out of here! Out of my house! And and Like
0: I said, who the fuck cares if Kim Jong-un gets nuclear weapons? Nuclear weapons don't kill people. People kill people. See how fucking stupid that sounds. (laughs) See, I mean, it's like that's the whole argument, you know. And, And one of the one of the things on Twitter, I think we already talked about. It's like you know, and it's true. It's like there are more shark attacks like last year than in recorded history, and Australia put all these special things like these nettings and these warning systems in place. And somebody's like, well, the U.S. is going to give every beachgoer a shark because the only way to fight a bad shark is with a good shark. And no matter how you look at it, no matter how you want to spin this, it is so stupid, and, and we're, not, we're only going to get back on the bloated topic for five seconds. He met with the NRA on Monday. Wednesday, he has the big meeting where he has, you know, Weinstein right next to him, who's been a, a proponent for gun things. And he says, we got to get something done here, you know, get something done and I'm going to sign it. It's like, you know, you, you guys are more afraid of the NRA. I'm not afraid of the NRA, but we got to get something done. We got to get rid of the bump stocks. And then he says the most, uh, the, the most, uh, you know, I, what, what, what's a big boy word I'm looking for? He says flat out, flat out. I think we should just go and take the guns and then oh. figure out due process later.
1: The most unpatriotic thing ever? Unpatriotic. Uh, Un-American, unco- f- un- unconstitutional. Un, uh, like, keep, keep going. Like,
0: like mon- monarchy. Like, like, oh, like, like
1: autocratic kind of right. Uh, right. I mean, he f- he's and, – and, and
0: look, it's, it's a useless game. We're not playing it. What if Obama had said anything like that? A- anything or anybody else. The time had, ever, is ever he wearing that. a tan suit? No. See, so that's that's okay. why you can trust him. But he says that flat out. He goes, we should take the guns, worry about due process later. And it's like, I'm not afraid of the, you know, you guys, you come up with a bill. You're too afraid of the NRA. I'm not afraid of the NRA. But get something and I'll sign it. Much like he did with said with DACA. And everybody left the meeting saying, oh, he's going to get something done. I'm not afraid of the NRA. And then 24 hours later, now that meeting, you know, about, I'm going to take care of this gun issue. It's televised. There's a lot of media there. Yep. Uh, a, a, a big
1: pomp and circumstance. 24 hours later, he meets with the NRA. Behind closed doors. But then he tweets afterwards, good, parentheses, great meeting with the NRA, exclamation point. That, that was the wrap-up of his meeting with the NRA. And what does that mean? It, well, it means the same thing what, what happened with DACA. He
0: says, flat out, you guys come up with a bipartisan bill, and if you can agree on something, I will sign it. Get me something to sign, I will sign it. The Democrats walked away saying, holy fuck. Okay, well, maybe this is the one thing we can work on. The stupid
1: Democrats. <laughs> you know, the really fucking stupid, abused, like survivor of <laughs> physical abuse. Like, Honestly, he's not going to hit me this time. Yeah, no, no, no. He's right. He's changed his ways. And then
0: they do. Over the next couple of weeks, they hammer out a DACA agreement before it gets to him. He's like, yeah, I'm not fucking signing anything. And and again, he does the same thing. He comes out and he Even says, if he
1: signs something, he doesn't enact it. He's sweat. Like when? Oh, I don't know. You're right, <laughs> like Russian sanctions. Oh, right, that was the example that. <laughs> yeah, I Yeah, but that just to. squeaked by.
0: It wasn't like it was a five hundred and seventeen to five vote.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't a mandate at all.
0: And so, yeah. So, anyways, we're not going to get back on that. But yeah, holy so
1: like, shit, this sucks. <laughs> holy shit, we have an awful president.
0: But an awful president. On the positive side, the kids aren't letting this go. Um, I, I don't know what what your plans are, but you know, we we took management and I took our oldest son to the march. <laughs> we marched against Nazis in 2017 in uh-huh. Boston. Uh, we're going to be part of the march on the, the 24th.
1: Oh, you mean the one that they aren't going to have at the National Mall? Because the, when they went to get a permit to have that held at the National Mall, the people who run the National Mall, the U.S. government, said that there, there was a conflict of interest because there was already a booking that day. Uh, and because, I guess there's like a student film... That's going to be filmed, uh, and I, they had gotten their permanent first. So, wait. So, in 1964,
0: <laughs> when the hoses were turned on the protesters um, trying to march through different places in the South, and they had the big march in Washington, D.C. In 1964, and I believe, isn't that where the I had the dream speech was, was made?
1: 68, but
0: yeah. 68, but no, but in sixty, I mean, we're talking yeah. this whole era. So, even back then... They didn't keep people from being able to come and—
1: Are you—yeah, go- I mean—
0: So we're worse I, than the Nixon
1: administration,
0: officially. Pretty much.
1: Okay. Yeah, Nixon was the 70s, but, but yeah.
0: But, but you can't stop the marches. They will happen all over the country. Uh, March, on the 24th, we are going to be part of it.
1: You, so and, the way is a Boston march. There's Boston march. Oh, I thought you were going to Washington for the, yeah, we the would. main. Washington
0: we, you march. know, we, I mean, we definitely would if 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 they move the date and have it. Maybe now, but even more, we're more because like you, you know, it was a few months ago. It was just like an eight and a half hour drive. I drove down there with the boys.
1: I know Jim's laughing at this, watching like he's listening to this. If he's listening, and he's going, "Yeah, you march, you fucking pussies. Like none of this is gonna make any difference. You can march all the fuck you want. You
0: know, I I can't I can't think like that. I can't think that it doesn't make a difference because I again, I mean.
1: Like if we all thought like that, then obviously nobody would be you know, on the streets it is. and it would go you know, away.
0: And, and Joe, I, I honestly look, we grew up Sox fans. And then finally in two thousand and four, like, you know, it, it happened. And how many this is a season, you know, have we had? And, and and we never jumped off the bandwagon. Um and I believe that. It's like, look, after after Newtown, I thought everything would change. And and the the stat that the NRA keeps touting their power with is there was a bill. There, w- there was a, a big bill that went through the Senate. There were nine Republicans up for election that year. No Republican voted for the bill. But there was nine Republicans up for re-election that year that voted to keep this, this assault weapon ban from moving forward. All nine of them won re election that year. And that's what the NRA says. They're like, oh, well, you say, you know, that we don't represent America. Because after Newtown, there was like, oh, no, and it wasn't the weapons ban. It was the universal background check. And right after Newtown, there was a 94, 95%, you know, polls, every poll. I think Fox only had it about 89%, but they wanted this universal thing. And it didn't pass. Nobody on the Republican side who voted against it lost election, so they're saying it's like, well, your polls can say what you want, but you know. But here again, after yeah, and, and after Newtown, Dick's for a while had had stopped, you know, selling those guns, and then started a couple years later.
1: Oh, so that's that means the Dick's going to start selling guns in a couple of months.
0: Well, let's hope not. But this, <laughs> but but like again, I mean, this isn't going away. You know, the, these kids are getting more. Like you talked that that girl like la, last week in Salas. She's only getting. Bigger, you know, on the social media. They're only, you know, the cameras aren't going away. They're not letting this go away.
1: So I, I, I hope not. I'm, I'm. You, I mean, you've seen my Twitter. I'm the one of the most annoying anti-gun people you could follow. Um, of course, I don't take any action. I mean, my action is I don't buy guns. I mean, it's essentially that's, that's okay. It. I mean, that's my action is like I, you know, I'm a nobody. Um, but I teach my kids that guns are violent. Um, if they want to own a gun, fine, but they don't need to hold, uh, there's no, nobody on earth besides the military needs to own an assault rifle. Um, and they know that, uh, they can play all the nasty video games they want. They'll be fine. Um, except for my younger one, he's 12. He, he can't play the, the rated M game. So no, sorry. He, he's not going to be playing against your seven year old so, so, in resident evil. Yeah. So he
0: was six when I let him play resident <laughs> evil cause I'm a bad person. Um, no,
1: you're not a bad person. You're a terrible.
0: No. <laughs> so, so, Moving on to other things. We talked about this a little w- last week, and this is only getting to be a bigger story. We just touched on it briefly. So they're going into week two of a, of a teacher strike in West Virginia. Okay, who gives a fuck? Well, everybody should. And this, this is the main reason why. Yes, they're striking for more money. And they, West Virginia is 48th in teacher pay. And the governor offered them a 1% thing. And they basically said, go fuck yourself. Then he turned around after several days of the teachers not coming in in and the, and the protest or, or the lockout or the, or the strike or whatever, and ended up coming out with a 5%. Do you know uh, – so so the teachers turned around and said, okay, we'll take the 5% and we'll come back to teach. And the state legislature said, nope, we're not going to do that. Fuck you. Had that 5% gone through – Do you know West Virginia would have gone from 48th all the way down to 47th? Like, that's how underpaid they are. But here's the biggest reason why these teachers are striking. They can't take a day off. In the state of West Virginia, there are zero substitute teachers. They can't get, like anybody the schools are so overcrowded now because they don't they can't get anybody to come in and teach teachers retire new people aren't coming in they can't even get substitute teachers so here are these teachers saying i get sick i can't not go in something happens in my family i can't not go in if i don't go in these 20 kids sit these 30 kids sit in an empty room and it's important to me um And I think it should be important to people because this is one of those states. It's like Kansas. Kansas has gone through this. Kansas is a complete Republican state, all the seats House, legislature, Senate, governor, you know, the mayor of the big cities. And they've had these tax things to give businesses tax breaks and all this stuff. And even Kansas, after a few years of their schools getting worse and worse and worse and the public service is getting worse and worse, the legislature had to come in to overrule the governor and say we can't fucking do this. We can't give the rich – that's where the Koch brothers – even Warren Buffett, that's where he's based out of. I mean if you have that much money, there's no reason to be anywhere else. West Virginia, it's the same thing. It's Republican all the way through. It's all these tax breaks, all these tax breaks for the companies that pay nothing to be there. But because they get these tax breaks, paying nothing to be there, there's nothing going into the social thing, you know. And granted, it's like when you say a word like, you know, I, I heard somebody recently say this. It's like socialism is bad. Where did you learn that in your public school? <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, I know. So, so, so irony wh- can be pretty ironic sometimes. So I mean, so
0: anyway, so the West Virginia thing is important because it's it's just showing these these trickle down things don't work. And now, why is this important? Well, the joke about West Virginia being backwards ass and stupid for all these years. This is another generation. I mean, this is a cycle that is only going to get worse. If you can't get teachers to go there and teach, and it's only going to get worse, I mean, so there's no end in sight for this teacher strike.
1: I just hope that the West Virginian legislatures at least have the foresight to, while these kids are not in school, to put them in the coal mines. Like, get, right, them, to get work. them to
0: work. Right. And that's not funny. Because, you know what, there's probably
1: people, because we talked about that, it's like, you know. I'm surprised that the coal mine, in the coal mining industry, with all the subsidies that they're getting, why don't they build, like, coal mining funded schools? Like, that all the classes just surround, uh, have to do with coal mining.
0: Don't, don't. Don't put that into the ether. (laughs) Somebody is going to pick up on that. And
1: by the way, why doesn't West Virginia just tear down that wall and go back with with East (laughs) Virginia? Right, exactly. Just merge the Virginias. Well, that way they'll have... And... (laughs) So so the thing is, yeah, the world's awful.
0: It's getting worse. Um, All right, so last month, um, Joe and I proved without a shadow of a doubt... Uh, we can't be racist because we paid homage during Black History Month to a different black comic that inspired us or that was part of the comic history.
1: <laughs> we ended that one with Bill Cosby. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're welcome uh, This month, it's Women in History Month So, <laughs> to prove I'm not a misogynistic bastard Because we are now going to have For the month of March uh, A moment to honor women in history uh, This Parentheses, month, comedy
1: This, oh, okay, I was going to say this week Dana Loesch of the NRA <laughs> uh, Does Loesch sounds too much like
0: douche? Anyways uh, This is too much yeah. Too much uh, So That lead-in, I'm going to uh, probably, probably, I'm going to say my favorite female comic personality in history is Emma
1: Jean Coca. Emma Jean Coca of your show of shows from the 1950s, Sid Caesar's groundbreaking pre-Saturday Night Live live variety sketch show
0: there you go back it's all on youtube i used to you know collect the vhs when they came out and stuff like that um you know she she's one of those people where again the people who were part of that era of television and that era of motion pictures and stuff like that they were such well-rounded amazing talents i mean she when that show comes on she's 40s you know what i mean she had already been a 25 30 year career Dancer, actor, performer, in, in Broadway and in vaudeville and stuff like that. A touring um, comedy wasn't her thing, but you know she had such, you know, her. And since Caesar in the forties had done a couple things together, so when he had a show, he brought her onto the show. And there's one skit in particular. I don't remember what it's called. It's a five minute pantomime skip between the two of them, and just. Facial expressions. I mean, there's there's no props and backgrounds and stuff like that. It's a husband and wife, um, and a big fight and a big makeup and then a big fight again, uh, and it's all facial expressions and she, uh, her different looks and her different mannerisms and how she moved and stuff like that. You you again you you look at the people who came after her, who looked at her. You know, you had the Carol Burnett's who were like, she was my inspiration. Even people like Lucille Ball. She was my mentor. She was who I, you know, wanted to be. And you have all these other giants of giants who came after her, you know, um, saying, pointing back to the same, you know, focal point. This is who I emulated. This was who I inspired to be. Um, And where do you rank... Uh, National Lampoon Vacation on your favorite movies.
1: <laughs> you know what? Not in the top 30. No, really? It's a, I, oh, I, you're more of a Christmas vacation
0: guy. Yeah. Well, vacation from... And the reason I love vacation is that was it. That started it, you oh, know? Yeah. And and she in that is just... And again, I mean, she doesn't have a lot of lines. Um, she's just really only in a few scenes. Um, by that point, blind in one eye you know, with a fake eye because of a, a, a bad car accident... Mm. Uh, but she still had the facial expressions. I mean, she said everything with her face and her deadpanness and stuff like that. Uh, and at that point of her career, she's in, she's I think if she's not 80, she's damn near close to 80 when when she does vacation. Um but yeah, so so and also, you know, before I met management and we started a family, I had always said if I ever had a daughter, you know, I, you know, I would have named her Emma or Emma Jean after Emma Jean Coca. Um, seriously, I, I, you know, she was before my time with the Sid Caesar, but that was something where you can go back and you look at the show of shows and you look at her specific stuff. And it's timeless it's it, we're talking sixty plus years later that that show aired, and so much of that stuff is still because a lot of the stuff was household like husband and wife you know type thing, and again, that one you know if I can find it, I will post it on Twitter or maybe you can throw it up on the Facebook page. It's like if I can find the link to that skit, just that one alone again, there's no dialogue, and it's absolutely gut splitting hilarious seventy years later
1: yep, she was uh comedian <laughs>
0: <laughs> good night
1: <laughs> i know i'm i'm awful uh, on podcasts and i hate the sound of my own voice so i try not to talk too much uh and i apologize for that video game rant earlier I'm, i'll try to pare that down so that you wouldn't have experienced the full length of my rambling but i'm looking on wikipedia regarding emma Jean coca and you know she had a very storied career she uh nominated for a tony in 78 for on the 20th century received an emmy nomination at age 80 For an episode of Moonlighting. Moonlighting, yeah. Uh, She died in 01 from uh, complications from Alzheimer's, but uh, she lived to a ripe old age of 92. Um, She started out in vaudeville as a child acrobat.
0: Yeah, yeah. If I get this right, because I I just remember I I read a book on her years and years ago. I want to say... Mom was a magician assistant and dad if that wasn't an orchestra leader he was in he was in like you know um in a vaudeville orchestra and he might have he might have done something else too. I don't know if he was a on stage performer or just a musician a touring musician in vaudeville but mom was i believe a dancer and uh and a magician magician's assistant. Yeah. So yeah, I mean she so she's somebody who this was just like from day
1: one. Yeah. So uh, we we honor Imogene Coca by uh, by talking about it. Does
0: her. it have a list of some of the people that that like that I mentioned, like the Lucille Balls and the Carol Burnett's and stuff? That uh,
1: let me scroll down here. And there was there was life a, and legacy. Hmm. Is she. Uh, no, I mean you know it doesn't really talk about the people that she inspired. But but in yeah, Wikipedia entry. Uh, well, actually, I'm sorry. Performers citing Coca as an influence include Carol Burnett, Lily Tomlin, Whoopi Goldberg, and Tracy Ullman. L- oh, right, 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 right. I, I forgot. You know why? Well, how,
0: how do I forget Lily Tomlin? I mean, because you think about it. and and so that's it. So so Tracy Ullman was big in the '80s, like right, like mid '80s, early '80s. Tracy Ullman, yeah,
1: late '80s. That's where the Simpsons got started. I, I
0: mean, so 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 you're saying? I mean, this this is a woman who, you know, you know. She was probably born after Coca was was huge and stuff like that. And still, I mean, generations later, still being inspired.
1: Yeah, and and she's not really talked about today because, you know, your show of shows doesn't run on MTV anymore
0: (laughs) or never did. But uh, we, 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 sidebar to a sidebar. We are going to do a sideshow on your show or shows. And I, I think we're just going to do one episode on just the writers of your show or shows. I mean, but that was. That was a tour de force of TV shows. I, I put it up as one of the greatest shows of all time. Yeah,
1: I mean it was referenced in my favorite year, the musical, uh, and, and the play, rather. And then um obviously the Dick Van Dyke show was modeled uh, after the show of
0: shows. Th- there was, and this is off the top of my head. There was there was a two year window where the writing team was Carl Reiner, um, Mel Brooks, Woody Allen. There was a couple other just
1: flops, like absolute losers just in the industry. Huge, <laughs> huge.
0: I, I mean, God damn it! I'm trying to think of who else was in there, but but yeah, just just you know, it's it's funny. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. That you know. Um, Byron Allen was part of a writing team with Jay Leno and David Letterman for J.J. Walker. But yep. but you're going back. I mean, you know, Mel Brooks. Yeah, Mel Brooks. Well, that's it. I mean, who's bigger in the history of TV than Norman Lear, Carl Reiner, and, and in movies, Mel Brooks and Woody Allen?
1: Uh, nobody. So we honor women in history, history by, by talking talk- about men. No,
0: but so, so Emma Jean was, you know, the, the, the female performer in that. She was in almost every skit, uh, whether it was a singing thing, a dancing thing um, – her, she didn't she didn't complain about her pay like a lot of the women wait <laughs> <laughs> Well that's honor women who knew their place. And, oh. no, but seriously, she was she was uh such a physical comedian and just gifted in so many ways. And and, and to this date, like as you read the list, I'm like, God, you know, Carol Burnett's really up there and stuff like that as far as my favorite performer. But honestly, it all it, it, it for me, the epicenter of it is Emogene Coca.
1: Yeah, I wonder if your show of shows would hold up and I'm sure it does. Like in in some instances, it would hold up today. You know,
0: well, like uh, like you said, I mean, I I have lots of like you know, I used to collect you know cassettes of like the the sitcoms you know from the 30s and 40s, and I I can tell you on another sideshow which one led to which, which led to which, which led to the honeymooners, which led to the Flintstones, which led to Roseanne. I mean, you look at the template and stuff, and with your show or shows, so much of that comedy. Isn't dated because it, it's it's mo- a lot of Eric Green stuff. It's you know it's um if you're not uh oh, if you're, you're stealing my bid if you're not uh, Steve Allen if you're not Steve Allen you're stealing my bid. You go back and you see the show of shows and Carl, Carl Reiner's big thing uh, was the
1: the Man on the Street interview, yes. which is still still funny today. Yeah, I I'm actually kind of sorry you started with Imogene Coca. Not so much that we shouldn't honor her is that you the people that you named as being influenced by her are probably all my choices for <laughs> honoring women in in comedy. For over the next couple of weeks, but, but that's okay because you know, we're going to be talking about Carol Burnett. Probably we're going to be talking about how do you not? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean Roseanne, I mean, she, the, even Roseanne, like her her show's coming back. Like there's a new. I mean, say what you will about the person Roseanne, um, her comedy was groundbreaking. But that's for groundbreaking. Great. No, I mean, I mean, right. I, I, and here here's one of the nice things about Emma Jean Coca. She
0: could be the Biggest asshole racist, you know, but you never knew that back then. You didn't know people's political lean for a lot of part. You know, I I know she didn't show up on McCarthy's list during the Red (laughs) Scare. Uh, But, you know, all I know about her is like, you know, biography I read 30 years ago and what I've seen on all the old shows. But uh, yeah, she is. You know, yeah. Maybe I should have saved it for the end. You know, but that's uh, eh, fine. But but I am. I'm a huge, huge fan of hers. I implore anybody to spend a couple minutes. You know, just Google her or, or just YouTube. You know, are your show shows or just her and sh- and she'll come up. And and also she did so many bit characters and like so many other TV shows and stuff like that. She's she's one of those people where you're like, oh, that's her. You know, but. Yeah, she was a grandma on National Lampoons Vacation who got tied
1: whose corpse got tied to the roof. She will be missed. Where do you want to go next?
0: Where do I wanna go next? Well, I, I don't I, I we can either go to this week in the WHA or to a random video game review.
1: <laughs> it's your call. This is your show.
0: <laughs> then we can go to a random video game review, or you can talk a little bit more about Back to the Future Three <laughs> because on last week's sideshow you really came to life. The the passionate
1: energy that you felt uh, I say dwarfs your passionate energy on your wedding night (laughs) I put all 1.21 gigawatts of electricity I had into that podcast about Back to the Future my favorite movie of all time Back to the Future 3 I showed Jacques was uh, fantastic and he thought uh, the same things I thought which is how we roll on this podcast if you disagree with us we don't want to hear from you
0: (laughs) No, if you disagree take the time write it
1: down, put it in an envelope, and then go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes for great podcasting. I'm sure you love to hear about us talking out of our asses in this bubble of liberal, whiny bullshit. Anyway, um, Back to the Future 3 was a good movie, and I'm glad Jack got to see it and that he agreed with me on all points. I Seriously, I can't believe I didn't see it, loved it. And then as I
0: drove home from here... Uh, I, cause, cause Joe on the sideshow said at the end of it, I'm going to make Jock sit here and watch it. And he made me sit here and watch it. It was great. His oldest you know son watched it with us. A lot of fun. And then the whole ride home, I talked to management about it, who she always liked the movie. So I had my own episode of sideshow, just talking to her about it. And it was, it was really, it, it stands up. It really stands up.
1: Yeah. You were like. During the climactic uh, scene where they're trying to get the train to push the car up to eighty-eight miles per hour, and Clara's, <laughs> you know, ja- uh, Doc's love interest, Clara is climbing on board and, you know, trying to uh, get back with them. And um, Jacques turns to me and goes, "Should I be this tense?" <laughs> yeah,
0: seriously, what's, it's like I was
1: watching a Patriots game. I was that tense. Yeah, I was like, yes, yeah, so, yes, yeah, so of course, you should. That means you have a soul. And, and then, and then, and then when. Uh, um,
0: Spoiler alert, yeah, whatever. When, 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 you know, Marty comes back and it gets destroyed. The Delorean the, the, gets crushed by the train. You know? I was crushed. Like, literally, there was like, oh, well, there was the last part of my innocence it just <laughs> swept away.
1: And then, of course, the, the, the big finale is when you see Doc Brown and his family come back uh, in their own brand new locomotive, steam-powered locomotive time machine, um, which was fantastic in and of itself. Uh, but then I just like hearing you say that's awesome when the train finally lifted off <laughs> and flew off into the sunset at the end of the movie because a flying locomotive that travels through time is fucking awesome. Yeah.
0: I, 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 I thank you for a passion driven, energetic podcast on your behalf and making me watch a really great movie.
1: Oh, you're well oh, you're welcome. So I'm guessing now I'm gonna try to guess what game I'm gonna stumble through on for my NES collection. I know you're all waiting to hear. I think I'm talking about Load Runner.
0: Wow, you are talking
1: about Load Runner. Runner. Hey, good call. Load Runner. Hey, kind of played it. Um, it's a it's a puzzle game. It's from it, this is like if old, you don't
0: want to do a review,
1: you can read the back like you did <laughs> last week, which I thought was great. Right. No, this is uh, it's a arcade port, I think, or no, it's a it was a PC game originally. It's about um, the spelunking, you know, person who goes into mines and tries to find gold in them, there are caves. You're climbing ladders. You're avoiding, you know, enemies. You're uh, trying to collect gold through many levels. Um, you know, it's, it's an old... Type of game, it's one of those single screen games, I believe. Like you know, you clear the gold on one level and then you escape to the next level and you go on for you know, I don't know how many screens. But it's, I think it's a good game and it it's uh it's probably boring to play now. I don't know if you like puzzle games. This might this is this is a classic. If you haven't played it yet and you like puzzle games, this is worth picking up. Um, not just for the Nintendo Entertainment System, but for your Computer of choice, whether it be a DOS in a computer from 1987 or a, a Macintosh with <laughs> the black and white one with the one-button mouse. But this is a good game. I would say that uh, on a scale of one to five stars, maybe Pat Contry, who wrote the Ultimate Nintendo Guide that we rely on so heavily for this segment of the podcast. And it's heavy. <laughs> probably gave it, I'm going to say, three and a half stars. What did they give? Four stars. See? So, Load Runner. Players must take back gold from the bungling empire in this action puzzle hybrid. Several piles of gold must be collected, and players will have to reach them by climbing ladders and hand-walking across horizontal hanging ropes in stages that scroll horizontally. There I go. So, it's a good game by Broderbund Software. Broderbund, I think, also did like, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego... Uh, later on, <clears throat> you've you've seen Broderbund. They have that O th- with the they have a slash like O th- with a slash with the O in their name. It's Jacques doesn't know what I'm talking about because he was playing hockey and being cool at the time when these games were coming hey, out.
0: Hey, hey.
1: could have been having sex too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how much did the game cost on eBay? Who fucking cares? Who uh, gives a shit? I do. Oh, um, I'm gonna okay. Since you pulled it up, I'm gonna guess. Hello. <laughs> you know, it's gonna be. I'm gonna say six dollars. Uh, 999 so you're closest yeah. without going over, right, you win your own game. <laughs> yes,
0: we so, uh, so quick question to you, Joe. Do you want to talk about Call Me Lucky or yes. do you
1: want to do a Call Me Lucky sideshow? No, I don't, I'm not, yeah. enough with the sideshow. Too shows. much, we, we, you, okay. you've suggested seven sideshows in this podcast, and I don't have that much time. What, what, Ever. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Playing Load Runner, <laughs> apparently.
0: Okay, so because we're running long on time. No, but no, the thing, I, I don't want to cut this short because it was great. You know, the, Bar- the Barry
1: Crimmins well, story Well, why spoil was... it for people? It's on Netflix now. They can go and watch it. And I didn't really know who Barry Crimmins was. Did you, do, you, do you feel remiss for not knowing who he was? Because I did. Kind of, yeah. I mean, to jump into this, so we're talking about a, a Netflix documentary. It came out a couple of years ago it wasn't made for netflix uh... it was a, a documentary about a comedian who made his his he got his big break and made his uh, cut his teeth as a comic in boston he, although he was born and raised in upstate new york uh... barry Crimmins, uh... very vocal boisterous bigger than life um, smoking drinking um, very well spoken obviously since he was a comic but very uh, politically charged material, uh, pre pre Lewis Black, pre John Stewart. Uh, you know, Bill Hicks. Yeah, you know, Bill Hicks had yeah, that same vibe. But but he's but Barry's ten fifteen years before Bill Hicks. Yeah, like he Barry Crimmins, apparently he started off his career. Uh, you know, in the finding his way. Through nightclubs in like you know New York City, and then he found that Boston, he could really uh, sink his teeth into this town and and actually make a living. And he st- I guess he started the the, the, yeah. the Ding Ho Comedy Club. What what was really interesting for me about
0: the documentary, one of the many interesting things about it, uh, you got to watch it. But why I asked Joe if he was remiss not knowing him. As much as he was a presence on the stage, he was a him and Lenny Clark are considered the forefathers of the Boston comedy scene. The two of them would rent places and put on comedy nights. Um, they both, came, both on the either side, opposite ends of the political spectrum came, could not be. And, you know, and it's one of those things where, yeah, I kind of thought Lenny Clark was on the other side of the fence, but it's like not that far. But everybody who 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 talked, and the great thing is, you're talking about. All the big comics from like the '80s and '90s are all saying I have a career because not only did he give me stage time, he made me a better comic. He demanded I be a better comic, and you know he 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 paid he paid the guys well. He treated them well. He expected a certain you know level of professionalism. He was as much as he was always drinking and smoking. He was. Uh, an anti-drug guy, and not an anti-drug, hey, you shouldn't do drugs. It's like, don't do drugs and get up on my stage. Get up on my stage, do a great show. But he didn't want that. But he goes, you know, all these people, like, like you know, Stephen Wright. I mean, he's up there, and and
1: we love him. Oh, yeah, we have Stephen Wright was in the documentary. Uh, you hear from Steve Sweeney briefly, you know, bo- legendary Boston comic. Uh, Jimmy Tingle, who started his own nightclub in Somerville um and of course the director Bob Cat Goldthwaite and so many of these guys talk about how he started the scene um that he
0: was a very combative person but also really reasonable and and really smart um and again like Joe jo said like think think Lewis black but not at all an act. Like and not that Lewis Black is an act, but when you see Lewis Black, you know, at the end of a John Stewart thing, and they're laughing, shaking hands about the rant that he went on. Barry Crimmins was pissed that the world wasn't more plugged in, and then he became a political activist. Um, you know, I mean, he was probably George Bush's worst nightmare. Uh, he traveled internationally. He went to places like Nicaragua and stuff like that, and met with the people. Um, but then it took a really. A, a hard, uh, a hard turn, if, if you want to divulge it all. But uh.
1: no, they, there's a point in the in the in the documentary where they go into a, a moment in his career where, in one night on stage, you know, amidst his political ranting and and and, and butchering hecklers, which he loved to oh, do, brutal brutalizing hecklers. Like he had none of that shit. Like you know how Larry David would, you know, uh, would maybe you wouldn't know, but Larry David was known for just you know fist fighting hecklers um or walking off just like you know just leaving the scene um barry uh crimmins apparently would just not let go of a heckler you know he he i guess one person put it uh he he didn't tolerate he didn't tolerate fools. fools he didn't suffer fools thank you for using the english language properly so um but yeah at one point in the documentary he divulges something very personal about his past, and they go into it. And I won't spoil it here. I'll let you um, go along for the ride when you see this documentary, Call Me Lucky, on Netflix. Uh, but the internet
0: is a safer place because of him? Ma- well, yes. I, I, the internet that you and I know is a safer place, but the dark web was probably created to get around people like Barry Crimmins.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, he was the forefront of... Uh, he led the charge against... Um, certain questionable material online especially uh, against america online and, you know and then in 95 america online was probably at its zenith in yeah. popularity um and they were doing very little about uh filtering out certain types of material that the US government and law enforcement frankly didn't even know existed it, 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 it's it's when you see when you
0: see him he is a big guy unkept hair like like he has a white guy fro, and he, he's not very—grooming he, wasn't his thing
1: yeah, his, for, for the most part. Right, exactly. He looked like uh, you know somebody who you would be arresting, right not, right, not, like, not aiding and assisting uh, he, law enforcement. He, look, he, yeah, he looks like
0: the guy driving the windowless van. <laughs> and he goes to the police and he's like, look, I'm doing all this stuff. This is what's going on in the computer. And the detective is like, we didn't have computers at the station. Like, yeah. we, we didn't even—we're like, okay, this guy looks fucking crazy. He's telling us all this stuff. He's handing us this material that he says is out there. And we're like, what the fuck is this? And he, and, you know, it goes all the way to the Senate. And the big thing about AOL, like any of these evil fucking soul sucking corporations, back then you paid as you went with the internet. And AOL was not turning a blind eye to this. They were. You know, going out of their way not to turn a blind eye to it because they didn't care what you were fucking doing online in your chat rooms as long as you were online in their chat rooms paying X amount per minute, per hour, whatever it used to be. And, and Barry Grimmins, and so, you know, he cleans up, he's wearing a suit, and he's talking to senators. And he's just, I mean, AOL has these, the most high powered lawyers, and it's like.
1: He's being, and he's eviscerating them. Not even. At one point, there was a, there's a point in the documentary where you see, during the Senate hearings, a couple of the senators, one of the senators leans back to one of his aides, and the guy whispers in his ear, oh, no, 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 don't worry, he's with us. He's like, this crazy guy that's going on this awful rant about terrible things happening on the internet, he's with us.
0: Yeah, because the AOL guy, you know, came right out of central casting. Good-looking, yeah. you know, paper, well, probably a Harvard yeah. Yale the, lawyer. Right,
1: like, picture Ted McGinley as a, a, a lawyer you know you what know, Ted McGinley is right of course so our
0: netflix pick of the week is definitely i think collectively our netflix pick of the week is yeah. call me lucky
1: yeah and thank you Jacques for recommending it to me and by the way as a as a um, a footnote uh this week Barry Crimmin's passed away and it's like you know i
0: it came up on my because i watch so much stand up oh you might want to watch this i watch stand up in documentaries oh you might want to watch this i watched it in two sittings i took a break cuz part of it was kind of hard to get through and I called Joe. I'm like, you got to watch this. And then two days later, you know, you see all the tweets on, you know, on Twitter and stuff like that. You know, all all the comedians that we love now, saying, oh my god, I just heard this. You know, you know, he made the world a better place. He did make the world a better place.
1: And you know what? I'm I'm gonna say that no, I'm not remiss that I didn't know about Barry crimins Maybe 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 now I probably if I was more of a student of comedy by now I should know who Barry Cryman is. Uh, but even Patton Oswalt, who's in the documentary, says, you know. Um, you know, this is the kind of person, pre-internet, like, you heard about. You heard the name Barry Crimmins, but you didn't really know what he was about or, like, how intense he was on stage. Um, and, yeah, like, he was – I mean, you can go online now and see clips of his stuff. Like, he was on Comic Strip Live. We'll put a fucking
0: seatbelt on. If if you're seeing not TV stuff, if you're seeing club stuff where – Yeah. He, he, he took you for a fucking ride.
1: Yeah, so rest in peace, Barry Crimmins, and uh, watch – Call Me Lucky on Netflix. So, parenting tip of the week. I'll start. You'll finish.
0: <laughs> no, because we're in on this together. Uh, you know, it's half joking and it's half serious. You can actually show your kids, you know what, going to – because my, kid, my kid's vision of what bars are – begins ironically enough begins and ends with mo (laughs) and so every time you know i I mention beer or we go by a bar because there's this little tiny corner bar on the way home from school and almost every day i put on the blinker and i start to (laughs) slow down the car and i'm like hey i'll let you guys have your ipads if i can go in and have a couple beers and they're always like there's there's always that look of okay yeah wait, is he really going to do that? <laughs> you know, and the associate, like, if the rare time I take a beer out of the fridge, it's like, are you going to get drunk like Homer? Are you going to get drunk like Barney? Um, so the fact that I took him to a bar to do Simpson trivia and walked out there, not inebriated, actually shows them that you can go to a bar, uh, you had a beer, I had a beer, we, we had, had a, a lot you of You had laughs.
1: a quarter of a beer.
0: Hey, don't judge me. Um <laughs> uh, but it was it, 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 it was a fun it was a fun family thing. So my parenting tip of the week: never too early to get your boys into bar hopping.
1: Or girls. I don't want to be sexist. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, which bar did you go to afterwards? Then, if you're going to be bar hopping, you got to go from bar to bar. Oh, I just went to the Packy and finished off a six-pack in the nice. way home. Uh, not in the parking lot.
0: And then I then I told the boys,
1: "Hey, don't drink and drive.
0: You could hit a bump and spill your drink." Oh. oh. Remember when drink
1: driving was funny? Yes, yes, I do. Oh well, now we got other things to worry about. So, parenting tip of the week. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Drinking is funny and bad. Was this the the first
0: time you took your oldest to a bar?
1: Yeah, I mean he's eighteen. About
0: fucking time. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. I don't know. Yeah, it was. I think so. I mean, to think about it, you took you taking your children to bars. Uh, for many years, I, mean, I really have like Buffalo Wild Wings or just legit bars to watch games.
0: Yeah, yeah, because because in California, after management went over to her, like the day she left, I got rid right of TV. The only TV I watched is I would go to the sports bar like a half a block away, and it was a restaurant bar, but it was it was a bar bar. You know, ninety five percent of people in there were to you know the idea was to drink to the Statue of Liberty lookout.
1: Right there, the, I think you spearheaded the uh, high chair at the bar. <laughs> I did. You're the first <laughs> You're like the Rosa Parks of <laughs> <laughs> Bringing your kids to the bar I, uh, <laughs> Some drunk wanted to say Hey I sit there And your child said no He
0: took we're not the bottle like, Smashed like, and goes You're sitting where asshole
1: <laughs> So alright so, I'm anyway. a bad person They play it, Resident Evil at H 5 yeah. And I take him to the bar Right So um, What are you going to do? Call DSS? <laughs> Don't Please <laughs> <laughs> They won't find you. <laughs> um, Actually, you know, to be honest, nobody cares.
0: So thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm going to try to post some stuff that we talked about on the Twitter. Maybe Joe throws it up on Facebook. Maybe. If you, if, if you can find us, um, thank
1: you for listening. Well, let's plug our Facebook. Let's do a legitimate plug for our Facebook. Uh, you go. You can find us on Facebook at Carnival Podcast. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Carnival Podcast. Uh, you can listen to us. On iTunes, you can listen to us on Google Play. Uh, I haven't bothered to do Stitcher because, you know, I think two's enough. I think uh, you can also listen to us on YouTube. Uh, I think Carnival Personnel is our... Hey, just Google Carnival Personnel. You know what? If you're listening to us now, you're probably not going to recommend our podcast to anybody else. So thanks for listening. You listen to us however the fuck you want. Uh, even if it's like pirated tapes from Jacques, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like if Jacques's sending you ca- like physical cassettes to listen to in your car... Thank you again for listening,
0: uh, and more importantly, do not forget...